0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. I'm your host, Eric Sue, and today we have Tom Kolzer from AWeber, which is an email marketing service that you ought to be trying if you're a marketer or a business owner. Um, so, Tom, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me, Eric. Yeah, Thanks for being on the show. So, yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background first, and then uh, you know, we'll go from there. Sure. Um... Background. Uh, it's
1: interesting. So I, I uh, started out going to school for a mechanical engineering degree. I uh, went to Penn State for a year uh, decided mechanical engineering was not for me. Uh, so I switched to finance. And uh, in the process of switching to finance, I was uh, awesome tables in an olive garden on the side uh, and also doing some computer stuff where I was selling uh, wireless modems. And uh, one, one thing led to another, and, and I basically had automated uh, part of the sales process for, for selling those modems. And uh, in the process of leaving that to kind of focus on school, a bunch of people that I was working with came to me and said, Hey, I'd like that automated email follow up solution. And uh, so as I was entering, going from my sophomore into my junior year of school, I'd left and I had all these people approaching me. I looked at it as, Hey, maybe instead of busing tables and, you know, Busting, you know, busting my rear uh, really hard to to work on doing that. I figured, hey, maybe I could make some money on the side uh, with this with this automated email uh, thing, and uh, ended up just kind of putting together a Weber as kind of an experiment to see whether or not it, it could, you know, just make some, some money to get through college. And uh, within a, a really short period of time, I had a couple hundred customers, and um, you know, kind of decided to take the the, uh, the the year off from school and see where it led. So 16 years later and uh, <laughs> here we are.
0: <laughs> wow. So,
1: yeah.
0: Okay, so you never went back to school. That was it. Never looked back.
1: Nope, I'm, I'm one of those college dropouts everybody talks about in the tech industry. <laughs> Got it.
0: Nice. And so you are, you guys have something really uh, I think it's it's well, it's 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 more rare nowadays cuz everyone wants to get funding, everyone wants to be on TechCrunch whatever, right? But you know, my understanding is you guys are, you know, you're 100% bootstrap, is that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, I financed everything initially off of uh, some savings that I had from uh, from working through high school and, and college, mm-hmm. um, and then also uh, just a, a Penn State credit card. <laughs> so. I had a credit card that I maxed out in the process of, of doing that, and I, I had supportive parents as far as uh, you know, kind of they, they helped me uh, they were paying for school and such at the time, mm-hmm. um, and some of my living costs uh, with with regards to that. But as far as the actual like get off get off the ground uh, part of the business, um, you know I, I paid for all of that out of pocket. It was one of those things that it it grew over time. It wasn't like you started out and you needed you know, $8 million to get off the ground, it was, you know, a couple hundred bucks here, a couple hundred bucks there, and you grow as your customer demand grows, so. Very yeah. nice.
0: So, when you built that, I mean, you know, building that automated sequence initially, I mean, was that you that built it, or did you hire someone to do it? I'm just trying to figure out how this all started. Sure. Um, so,
1: I I actually did most of the initial programming. Um, I'd, I'd say I probably did, like, 98% of the initial programming to get us off the ground, Um, The only thing that I really outsourced at the time was to the web hosting company that I was using. This was back in 98, so I was having to you know, install operating systems and other things. It wasn't like you go to you know you don't you don't roll into Amazon AWS or, yeah. or Heroku or whatever else and, and just have a machine and have it just work and have a control panel is like literally you gotta you gotta shell login and and, yeah. and go. <laughs> so it was installing Apache and those sort of things that I had some other folks do, but that was just on a consulting basis. So Got
0: it. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I mean, so tell us a little bit about you know where where a-, where a where A Weber is at today. I mean, you know, how many employees and how many customers do you guys have? Sure, uh, we're at about 105, 110
1: team members uh, currently. Um, we have about one hundred and twenty thousand customers uh, around the world wow. in uh, many, many, many different countries. So all over the world, we have customers. So okay.
0: yeah, cool. And is this one hundred twenty thousand paying customers?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Wow. Okay. So good numbers. Um, and I always like to ask the question, you know, how'd you get the the first hundred users, and I'm gonna have a follow-up to that after. So, you know, how did the first hundred come? Um so back
1: in the back in the day, um, the uh Uh, I was I was moderating a. I had always kind of been interested in the business aspect of of running a business and so forth. You know, growing up, shovel driveways and mow lawns and those sort of things and raking leaves and all that kind of stuff. I was I was always out for uh, whatever kind of thing that I could scrounge up on my end. And uh, so so going through college, I had started a um, basically a moderated email list, uh, an email newsletter, essentially that. People would send in questions, and I would kind of put the most interesting questions in an email and send it out to all of the people that had subscribed. And uh, and I would write articles about you know starting companies and marketing and doing online marketing and stuff. Um, Not so much about starting companies, but more about just marketing and getting your name out there because I was doing this wireless modem thing, and it was you know I was kind of learning as I was going along. Mm -hmm. And when I found something that worked, I'd tell other people about it. Um, so I had had gathered kind of a, a following of, I think I had about 3,000 subscribers at the time um, that, that you know, subscribed to get updates. And it was marketing advice that was coming from other people as well. It was, you know, 90% of it wasn't coming from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I launched AWeber, um, I had been working with a bunch of folks uh, with this wireless modem company um, that were also using the automated follow-up system that I had had made. Because the more input I got, the better I made the product I was able to get. I was I was able to iterate on it faster, and and I I'd get ideas, and you know I kind of always looked at it as, uh, and I've heard this from many good friends since then. It's you know it's a it's a big pond out there, and uh, and, and and there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of revenue and a lot of customers to share. And even though you might be selling the same product, um, everybody has their own a- approach for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so when I initially launched a Weber open to the public, it was it was something where. Um, You know, I literally just told that uh, mailing list that I was, uh, uh, you know, moderating. I just told them about it and they came. And and a lot of them had already been beta testing. Like I kind of approached people that I was more personable with um, and and told them, hey, I've got this product. I'd like you to check it out. And they kind of beta tested it for for the six to nine months or so before it actually became public. Um, But, yeah, that was really how the first first hundred came. Um, You know, it's funny that I, uh, you know, it's kind of silly to think about today, but like when I launched it initially, I could ex- I had a you know I had a secure server and so forth, but um, I had no merchant processor. Uh, the agreements and the, you know you used to have to sign contracts yeah. and wait and wait for the banks to set you up and all this kind of stuff, and uh, none of that had come through yet. It was still like thirty to sixty days out, and I was ready to go. And I was like, nah, screw it, I'll put it up and we'll take the orders and we'll take the credit cards and when we can charge them we can charge them but until then i'm just going to wing it and you know i've got paying customers i just <laughs> collect money from them so i encouraged heavily sending checks at the time and you know today that sounds kind of ridiculous but then people would actually send checks so it was cool i got a couple hundred bucks in checks right off the bat when you're you know when you're a college student eating ramen noodles and that's yeah. how you're used to living like it, it's not a big departure so uh, so it was a good it was a really good time in my life to be able to take that risk um, and uh, yeah so that was that was a rambling
0: answer to how I got the first hundred customers but they came really quickly. No that, so, that's good. I think to distill it I mean it, 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 to me it sounds like there's content marketing before content marketing you know became that yeah. that, that word <laughs> and then there's a there's a sense of customer development as well you know Steve sure, Blake. and then yeah, yeah I, I think those those two things really stick out to me. <laughs>
1: and I'd have to actually I'd have to take back what I said. like they didn't come quickly. it was it was just what you said. It's like there was a lot of things that I did beforehand uh-huh. that kind of set it up for it to come quickly. you know it's kind of like everyone looks at different companies and say, oh you, you're an overnight success. It's like, yeah, we spent the last 16 years or so, right? Doing the overnights. Yeah. <laughs> so you know it's all it's all kind of relative.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, okay cool so th- that seg- that segues into my next question so you know first hundred customers um, you know I-, I never actually asked this question but you know how'd you get the first thousand customers uh,
1: the first thousand um, we've always really relied heavily on word of mouth uh, you know I'm a big proponent of of you know, if you do really well by your customers they're gonna go out and tell other people they're gonna tell their friends and associates especially when you're dealing with the small business community which is our, our typical customer base is you know very mom-and-pop business you know your online digital markers those sort of folks that you know they tend to all hang out together mm-hmm. um, so if you serve one of them really really well they're gonna go and tell all their friends hey these guys are awesome um, so we've always uh, generated a significant amount of our new customers just based on that word-of-mouth advertising and and I don't remember the specific statistics of where all of the other nine hundred customers came after the first hundred, but uh-huh. going back from memory, a, a big proportion of those was just word of mouth.
0: Got it. Okay, cool. So you know, obviously in, in your space, I mean, there's there's a lot of juggernauts, right? There's the mail of the world, there's the get responses of the world. So you know, what do you what do you do to kind of um, you know continue to innovate in this space?
1: Sure. Um, I would say it, it's, it's interesting. I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say that there's, uh, you know, lots of there, – there's definitely a lot of strong players out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that each one has its own differentiating uh, points um, as far as, you know, features, as far as support, uh, those sort of things, and, and really knowing what your strengths are um, and knowing how you play against one another. And at the same time, like, competition is good. It makes everybody better. Um, and it is a big pot, and it is a big world, and we can all serve and have a market and be successful and uh, and, and coexist. Um, you know, I don't look at it as I don't have a need to ruin somebody else for our own game. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's something where we can all coexist and help customers in the way that they, you know, best connect with. You know, we connect with a certain subset of customers better than others, and you know, we'll, we'll continue to do that for
0: many years to come. Hopefully, got it. Cool. Great answer. Um, so obviously, you know you're 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 tied to this you know this massive email marketing company. So obviously, you have to know some um, some interesting email marketing stats. So anything interesting you can share with the audience for 2014? Interesting email marketing stats. Um,
1: whew, that's like a whole other interview, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there, there's lots of, uh, you know, I think the biggest, uh, well, let's, let's not go, st- stats are easy to come by. I think uh, one of the things that's, that's currently out there and is very topical, um, you may or may not have heard that uh, Yahoo recently changed, and this is a little techie, but Yahoo recently changed some of their DMARC settings. Um to uh... To, to basically reject any mail that is not sent directly from the yahoo mail interface or through their smtp servers so basically through yahoo's mail servers
0: mm-hmm.
1: so from uh... how that affects our customer base and how that affects other small businesses that may be using other email marketing services you know if you're using uh... your yahoo email address as a from address in your campaigns they're not going to get delivered to anywhere that is abiding by the DMARC settings um, so basically, what, what you know, kind of what I've been kind of evangelizing over the last, what we've actually recommended this for many, many years. Um, but uh, you know, make sure that as a small business owner, you're using your domain name uh, in your email marketing campaigns, um, so that you can make sure that your messages are one, you know, going to get delivered, and two, that they're helping to increase your brand. You know, anytime you send out an email from a generic uh, email account it's not increasing your brand in any way and even if it is you know a single grain at yahoo.com <laughs> it, it's it's not something that's you know it, it, it's just like if 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 i said hey can you email me at you know tom at AOL.com? and and that's the email address that we used you know we we used everyone here used an AOL email address inside of AWeber in order to communicate with customers you know you're going to look at us and go oh those guys don't know what they're doing kind of thing yeah. or I mean, you don't give quite as much credibility to somebody that's using a free mail address like that and and i hear all kinds of things about oh it's easier and it's you know it's more convenient no it's just what i've always used or i don't know how to get the other th- you know my own domain set up it's, it's worth the time invested um, mm-hmm. from a branding experience as well as from an actual deliverability component. So Yahoo, about two weeks ago, it was um, uh, April 7th. It was a Friday, like literally Friday afternoon. They broke mail for any small business that was sending email from anywhere other than Yahoo itself, if they're using Yahoo address. And then earlier this week, AOL did the exact same thing. Um, so it's something that that I see coming down the for a lot of other webmail providers to also potentially do. So if you're using a freebie email address, even if you pay, if it's at a generic domain provider, if it's Gmail, Yahoo, even like a Comcast or Roadrunner or anything that's not your own domain name, get your own domain name set up um, and use that as a part of your email marketing campaigns. So it's not the statistic that you're looking for, but it'll help people get – Make their statistics better by having better deliverability and building their business long term hopefully so
0: good point yeah so anyone any one of you people that are subscribed to my list that are using those generic ones it's time to change it uh, cool <laughs> so you know I, there's. i think there's uh, there's one interesting point I like to touch upon, so I mean you know what to you what's the difference between kind of being in the startup mode with like ten to twenty employees versus you having like a hundred employees today
1: sure um, I think that the it's interesting like to me if you're not actively attempting to grow all the time you know you're you're going in reverse um, and there there is definitely there's there's this interesting dynamic uh, with you know that whole startup culture and so forth and to me like even at 100 people I still behave as though we're a startup you know you still have to be agile and change quickly and move fast and, and continue to iterate on 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 the things that are working and you know continue to iterate on the things that don't work so that you can hopefully find something that does work um but uh you know i think that the biggest some of the biggest differences that i've noticed over the years is just the communication with your internal team the dynamic that you have with your team when you're smaller is much different than when you are larger um and you and and you can in many ways get get by with um you know different personalities when you're smaller that may not necessarily work as as the company grows. Um, so you know when when they're less connected, the, the kind of autonomy to to be able to go out and execute positively uh, becomes harder. Um, so it's it's interesting that the, the community. I think the biggest thing is just the overall communication with the team. Uh, it changes. You know how I have to talk to the team has changed over time. Um, what the the things that I need to talk about with the team have changed over time. Um so it's uh you know it, it, it's it's an interesting dynamic to to kind of get used to over the years as you know i've had to change in, in many ways as well as as a part of that process got it
0: okay, and you know you you, you alluded to communication i mean how do you guys communicate internally at Weber? well, we don't have an email newsletter now
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah we have uh we have our our own internal newsletter um uh, we have uh, internal Jabber, you know, um, instant messaging ch- chats. Uh, we use email um, extensively. Um, we're all in our we're all in the same office. There's only a, co- a handful of us that are offsite. Um, and uh, you know, more than anything, it's just just talk to one another. Um, you know, I we have a very open office layout here. Um, all of our desks uh, on our we're, we're two floors. Our our CS team is is uh, downstairs with some of our other administrative areas, and then our engineering and marketing team and design teams, are so forth, are on the second floor. And all of our second floor desks are on wheels. Um, and the specific purpose around that is, hey, if I'm working with you today, I'm going to wheel my desk over to, over to work with you for today or th- this week or however long that particular project's going on. So you're all in close proximity. And, and it's interesting when you kind of have the different disciplines, you know, a designer, or UX specialist, uh, you know, a front-end coder, back-end coder, um, and then maybe an operations for like system and infrastructure oriented things. You get all of those guys together and gals together. Um, the, the problems are going to hopefully work themselves out faster because they have that proximity to be able to say, hey, you know, can you check out this code that I just wrote? Is this cool? Is this going to work with the things that you're working on? And as those teams get larger, the communication factor is just massive. Um, and just being in that close proximity to one another, I think, really helps, um, really helps speed that along better. Um, but it comes yeah. down to the individual people too. You know, you have to have the type of, of you know, you have to have the kind of personalities that aren't going to be afraid to say, "Hey, there's an issue here. I'm I'm calling a flag on this. Like, you know, we need to look at this now. This is a priority issue." Um, and to be able to stand up and be able to move things forward. So, um, yeah,
0: yeah, that's really cool. I, I know Valve. I think Valve does the rolling desk thing too. So, I mean, you know, you'll you'll have to show me offline. You know, where you get these rolling desks from, because. I think we're going to do the same thing too. Um, yeah, I, I actually like that idea.
1: Um, There's stand-up desks too, so you can crank them up and down. So if you want to stand up and do it,
0: that's insane. I was literally just thinking when you said, I was like, someone needs to invent like a rolling standing desk. Yeah,
1: so. such, such a beast exists. I can, uh, I'll, I'll show you some pictures.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. So, um, you know, wh- I mean, if you go back and, and kind of change, uh, go back and change anything. I mean, you know, what, what's one thing that you would change? Oh, only one
1: thing. Um, Hindsight's always twenty twenty. <laughs> yep. Um I think early on, when when we were growing initially, I think I would hire faster. Um, I ran everything myself for the first year and a half, uh, and we definitely had the cash flow to be able to afford to do that earlier. I think the biggest reason that I didn't is I was afraid, um, and it was more it was more about the you know, you know, being afraid, but also kind of that big question mark in your head of like, I don't know how to hire somebody. Like, how does that work? Um, And and I think that over the years, I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I've kind of learned of like, you know, okay, you don't know how to do that thing today, but there's people out there that know how to do those things. And you probably know someone already who knows how to do that, that you can probably call and they'd be more than happy to give you, you know, even five or 10 minutes of advice is not a big stretch and it's not like they're going to make you, you know, charge you a fortune. You probably already know people that can do these things. Just ask um, you know, ask more questions. But, you know, I was initially afraid of like, you know, hiring and having having team members was was this foreign weird concept. It's like, well, how do you deal with payroll? And how do you deal with taxes? And like there's there's services that you can do all of those things through and it makes it really easy and you sign a few papers and you're good to go. Um, you know, I think making sure that you have a cash flow and the ability to to obviously pay somebody long term, that's always been Uh, a major consideration for me is, you know, making sure that, you know, we take care of our customers, but also, you know, we want to make sure that we're taking care of all of our team as well. Um, And just the ability to be profitable year after year um, is something that affords us the ability to create a massive amount of value for our customers as well, create a massive amount of value for our team members here in the environment that we're able to create. But, you know, going back just... You know, those questions that you have and those things that you don't know how to do, they're not insurmountable. Uh, there's always a solution. It's just a matter of asking the right questions to the right people and just moving on.
0: Got so. it. Cool. Yeah, you actually, you talked about trust a little bit. So that, that's something, I mean, you know, something I struggle with sometimes. I mean, for me, it's like I open up, like, you know, I'll let people do whatever they want. There's a lot of autonomy. But then yeah. what if they start fucking up so much, so many times, and it's just like, you know, the level of trust just goes back down again. I mean, have you experienced that before?
1: Sure. Absolutely.
0: Um, And
1: and that's just, you know, that comes in, uh, you know, in any type of, uh, you know, team situation. You're going to have people that are, are, you know, kicking ass and you're going to have people that aren't. Um, and you have to have a, a, a process for helping. You know, when you're when you're smaller, that that can be like, hey, Eric, you know, you're, you're kind of slacking off this week. Like, what's going on? Is yeah. are you not sleeping? Are you playing too much Call of Duty at night? Like, <laughs> you know, is is your daughter keeping you up? Like, what's, you know, what's what's going on? You know, all of those things that every you know life life kind of can impact those things and being conscious of those and you know uh, it, being able to have a chat with somebody. But as as you get bigger, you know, you have to have you know systems and process and other people. People that are able to ask those same questions, Um, and also just the 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 accountability from team member to team member of, you know, hey, you know, when there's a hundred of us in the building, and this one person screwing around over here, you know, it's not my job necessarily to discover that someone is screwing around and not doing what they're supposed to be doing. I expect that everybody is going to be. Pointing those things out and helping to escalate and rise everybody up, and you know if, if you know you're goofing around today, I hope that the person that's sitting next to you is going to be like, "Hey, is everything all right? Like, you know, can we focus and get this project done and move this along?" Because every every individual's actions have have a, a you know a, 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 an effect on everybody else. Yep. So it only takes one one person to drag a whole team down. Um, so being able to to recognize those things and, and remediate those things, and if you have to, you know, you know, potentially change the people that are on the team, it's not something that you do lightly, and, and uh, you know, you have to, uh, you know, look at all of the extenuating circumstances around it. But you know, sometimes you have to do
0: those things. So, got it. That, that, that actually brings up a very interesting point. I think this would be interesting or pertinent to startups too. So let's say you only have one person in a role, right? And you know, this person's not a fit, like you need to fire this person. But at the same time, like you can't fire this person because you that's the them. only person. Yeah. So yeah. what do you do in this scenario where you have a replacement coming in, but this person's here and you need to fire them?
1: Um, that's awkward it, it is what it is uh, I wish there was a you know an easy simple solution for those you know sometimes you can bring somebody in earlier you know that you're adding capacity um, you know, you're adding the ability to do more. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you might have to, to let somebody, it, it all depends on what the, what the scenario is and why you need to let somebody go, uh, as to how you're bringing somebody else in. Um, you know, if they're, if they're leaving, you know, if they're quitting and moving on to somewhere else, you maybe get some notice and you're able to bring somebody in and train beforehand. Um, sometimes you can have higher consultants, uh, to kind of fill those gaps temporarily. And, you know, sometimes if somebody's Doing something so bad that you need to let them go now. You know, sometimes even though it might be painful, it's better to do it now than it is to do it later, because the the, the problems that are going to be caused by keeping that person around don't over don't overcompensate for the you know the the convenience of not having to do it earlier. So it's 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 all a
0: you know it's a, it's a give or take. It's kind of a balance. So good point. In uh, a specific scenario. I like that. Um, cool. So, going back to you know, going back to um, you know A Weber's early days. I mean, you know, what what were what were some early struggles that you guys faced? Um, you know, you talked about uh, you know having to make big changes as the company grew um, in one of your interviews.
1: Sure. Um- You know, every day is a new challenge. There's always something new every day. Um, You know, just in the last couple of weeks, it's, you know, Yahoo and AOL changing up their whole policies on doing that. And, you know, we now have to get customers to change email addresses and other things that they were using just fine for years. Um, You know, challenges that we've seen along the way, um, you know, outgrowing office space. That could seem like a great problem to have, but it's also a problem, and it's something that you have to plan for. Um, I was actually just uh, corresponding with a friend over the last uh, week or two that that is uh, starting a company. And he's he's got about seven people on the team right now, and he just hired a, a handful more, and he's trying to le- lease office space at the same time. And he's like, "Well, do I lease office space that is, you know, that'll fit us now, or do I lease office space that is going to fit us over the course of the next three or four years? And how big do I go?" And it's like you know i wish i had this <laughs> i wish i had this grand wizard answer for him but it's like i you know there's so many variables there that i can't really you know i can't really answer that for you so you know being able to plan out you know, how many people you need at different stages of your growth. Um, one of the things that's worked for us is kind of you know, early on you kind of figure out like a, a baseline of you know, how many team members you need in order to be able to help X number of customers mm-hmm. and trying to keep those ratios the same. And then also you know, looking at, so like our customer uh, solutions team, um, you know, we kind of go based on the number of customers we have, based on how many team members that we hire for that. And things over the years that we've done to change those is like as, we, as we've added to our education and marketing department, like we have um, new new customer webinar series that we do, um, where we have walkthroughs every day, every week um, and sometimes multiple times a day even, where new customers can come on and learn as a group uh, and do that, which has the effect of minimizing, you know, it reduces the number of uh, support calls and so forth that we get. So those those things affect the ratios. So being able to kind of figure out what things are going to move those needles and what things are going to help your customers be more successful faster um, are different things that we've done to kind of change those ratios. Um, but, uh, you know, just, just having better documentation can, can massively affect the ratios of, of support team members that you need. Um, you know, when customers can find the answers themselves and they're the type of customer that wants to find the answer themselves, um, they can do that, um, you know, all the time. You know, meanwhile, your team can also be helping those people that would rather talk to somebody on the phone and get help. Um, you know, we have a significant number of small business customers that, you know, they're, they're mom-and-pop shops that they, they interact with their customers when they walk into the store. So they like to have that one-to-one connection with somebody that's helping them here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, one of our, our big differentiators as well is, is the ability for us to be able to help customers over the phone that, you know, a number of other email marketing services don't do. So, it, you know, it all depends on where you want to play. Got so, it. Cool. So I don't know if that answered your question. I kind of went down a couple of different tangents there.
0: No, it, it does help. I think having multiple answers is, is definitely something <laughs> that my audience could use um, for sure. Um, okay, you know, a few more questions from my end here. I mean, what are some you know effective hiring tactics that you can share? Effective hiring tactics.
1: Um, you know, having a great uh, you know having a site uh, for you know, advertising the roles that you have um, that, that speaks to your culture, that speaks to the the type of person that's gonna be successful there, it really helps filter in much the same way that your sales pages for your for your actual service or product or whatever it is that you're selling are selling, you know, you're selling your wares. You know, when you're when you're attempting to hire somebody and recruit somebody, you know, you're very much selling who you are as a company and, and who you are as a team and what that person is going to get out of it. Um, as to you know, the overall impact that they're going to have on the world. You know, how are the how is their contribution going to make a difference in the world? Um, you know, what are they going to learn from the team that's there? You know, are they going to be able to come and work with uh, other really smart individuals? You know, what are the experiences of those other individuals? Um, so, being able to to kind of you know sell yourself uh, on those pages is is always something that is is really um, you know it is really beneficial actually we just this is really top of mind because we actually just put up a new video on our on our recruiting site um, if you go to uh, aweber.jobs, jobs um, you can see it it's kind of like two-thirds down the way and we just put that up and it, it very much kind of walks people through kind of a day in the life of somebody that that's here at aWeber um, and it is very you know I, I always say whenever I I meet somebody new uh, that, that's onboarding here I don't I don't do 100% of our hiring anymore um, which is, which is a nice phase to be at but you know whenever I meet somebody new that, that's coming on I, I, I always tell them it's like this is a very entrepreneurial or, organization. You know, I started the company 15 16 years ago now and you know your individual success is, is massively in your hands. You know, if if you're going to be proactive and pushing things forward, you know that success comes from you doing those things. Um, you know, we're going to help, be here to help you and support you all the long way. Um, but at the end of the day, you're you're responsible for your career and your own success and pushing yourself forward and you know asking the questions and uh, not waiting for somebody to come and say, hey, how can I help you? It's hey, you know, I need this. Um, I need this in order to be successful. And and Know, nine times out of ten, or ninety-nine percent of the time, you're going to get whatever it is that you need to to be able to move things forward and be successful. Um, but as far as like the overall recruiting, like one of the things that we, uh, as we got larger, we systematized uh, the overall recruiting process. Uh, we have two in-house recruiters that that do a lot of our you know kind of outbound recruiting as well as candidate um, you know filtering and, and qualifications and so forth. But we use uh, Resumator.com. Mm. Um, I don't have, we're just a customer, I don't have any particular association with them. Um, And that's been awesome for being able to get all the resumes and everything into one kind of centralized spot to be able to kind of categorize them and and weigh their pluses and minuses and have have a system around how we onboard folks. Uh, in, into the company and how we you know, kind of sift and sort those and that's been great especially as we've grown and you know multiple people in, in different departments are responsible for hiring different folks and kind of everybody using a similar process so there is that similar end goal uh, with bringing folks on but you know just kind of systematizing those sort of things and getting out there and, and um, what are the other things that we've done to hire? Um, we have a uh, recruiting bonus so we, you know, we will give basically a referral bonus to internal team members that refer, you know, people to open positions that we have. Um, you know, we have a couple of uh, enterprising engineers here that uh, we pay uh, five thousand dollars for a um, uh, an engineering referral, mm. and we have a couple of enterprising engineers here that have started their own technical meetups in order to kind of. <laughs> Expand their technical contacts, and it's like, hey, I referred this guy. You know, this person that I met at a meetup, sort of thing. It's like, okay, you know, and th- and that's great because you know, you could say like you're gaming the referral system, but like I don't care because yeah. one, you're 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 hiring, uh, you know, you're referring qualified talent. Um, two, you're getting out there and networking with other technical folks in in the community, so you're learning from them yeah. and, and improving your skills. Um, so it just makes it's, it's just a more valuable experience for everybody all around um, as well as just creating this community resource uh, that then you know aWeber is attached to in some way which is really cool so um, so there's a bunch of different ways to look at it you know when we first started it we didn't have that you know we, weren't, we didn't have the ability to, to, to be able to pay something like that out uh, but now we've you know it's expensive to hire people even if you're going, you know out and doing craigslist ads or monster ads or whatever like there's a time commitment there's time investment there and those things all have cost um... and uh... you know the, the ability to be able to have somebody come from a referral is, is pretty awesome because they, they tend to be more qualified than somebody just randomly stopping by our, our recruiting site
0: yeah well wow. no i i love all of these processes I, I, think, I think they're all gold nuggets i especially love the, the speech that you gave I, I might just take that snippet and put it into my phone <laughs> Whenever a new hire comes in, you know, boom. But no, great. Um, and then, you know, one last one last point on on hiring. Um, I mean, you know, in one of your other interviews, you talked about hiring for core values. I mean, you know, what do you mean by that exactly?
1: Um, well, there's there's a you know the overall set of of kind of guiding principles. And it's funny, I was just talking about this at lunch today with uh, with somebody that had just started last week. Um, you know, we have we have a set of core values and. You know, there's, as, as, a, you know, as we've grown over the years, um, we've kind of dialed in what those core values are uh, so that we're able to make, you know, so that any team member here um, is able to make decisions on the fly without having to have a specific process or regulation or policy saying, you know, if this, then that. You know, they can kind of always go back to our core values and say, okay, well this you know this particular scenario applies to this core value and you know I'm gonna make this decision based on that. Um, so it's kind of there's there's an analogy that that uh you know that I like to use with with some folks as far as know the waterline. Um and this is a little bit of a tangent off of the core values, but you know, know the waterline of the decisions that you can make that you know are just so basically I usually I'll draw a sailboat on a on a whiteboard and you know if you get a hole in the sail, like Okay, that's that probably stinks, but you can patch it up and keep on sailing. Um, if you get a hole in the in the hull, and water might splash in if you go through a big wave or something like that. But you can keep you can make a decision and move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you uh, get a hole and it's below the waterline, um, you know the water's going to start gushing in, and that could be a problem, and that could be that could sink the ship. Mm-hmm. So being able to You know, to kind of always judge uh, based on the core values and decisions that can be made and just move on uh, versus decisions that may have a larger impact um, and could potentially like sink the ship. Um, Most decisions that most places are needing to make on a daily basis are not ones that are going to sink the ship um, and can be executed on quickly and move things forward uh, much faster when you have that kind of, you know, global uh, core values set throughout your team. Um so, so, being able to have those and have everybody kind of operate more autonomously without a whole lot of extra policy and procedure, and nobody likes that stuff it's yeah. icky. um you know i don 't like it i can 't remember them all anyway, yeah. um, so you know it 's like why have them if, if people aren 't going to remember them and it just it just feels corporate and nasty, and yeah. you know yeah we 're a hundred people, but you know we still very much operate on that you know startup mindset, small business mindset mm-hmm. stuff. So. Um, so they've been really, really helpful for us over the years.
0: Got it. What are your core values, by the way? Well, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, we, uh, uh, the, um, so th- the biggest one as far as uh, – make sure I do them all in order. Um, biggest one is our Create Remarkable Experiences. And, uh, and that kind of goes across the board as far as you know whenever you're you're making decisions you know is this going to be a remarkable experience for for a particular customer um, is you know somebody having a problem and then not calling them back um, is that going to create a remarkable experience for a customer you you know so you want to make sure you follow up with those, those folks um, is uh, you know is somebody you know as far as, you know, somebody may be applying for a position here, um, and then they don't hear anything back from us ever. Is that a remarkable experience? No. Do a lot of companies operate that sort of way? Absolutely. Um, so it's you know, you can kind of see how you know, just that one core value you can have, you can apply that to a whole bunch of different areas of the business. Um, is uh, you know, planning a maintenance window outage um, in the middle of the day uh, during our busiest time is that going to create a remarkable experience for our customers? No, not at all. <laughs> Um, so you got uh, create remarkable experiences. Uh, execute with passion, um, and that really just comes down to like let's get stuff done, uh, move things forward. Uh, you know, if you're if you're looking at your position and you know your overall career, and you kind of wake up on a Monday morning and go, you oh, know, it will work. Like I don't ever want anybody to think that like I'm going to work. You know, yeah, I'm going to the office and I'm going to build cool stuff for cool customers all around the world, and I'm going to help them grow their business and I'm going to have an impact. I like um, that. I got in hot water with my wife actually, uh, uh, I don't know a week or two ago, um, where I don't remember the exact how it all went down, but it was it was basically I said something to the effect of I like the weekdays, or I don't I don't like weekends any more than I like weekdays. <laughs> And it was one of those like I have a four year old and a one year old and you know a beautiful wife and so forth and like I love the weekends but I also love the weekdays. Yeah. Um, And it wasn't any sort of ditch on family or ditch on work. It's just like I love every day. Every day is awesome. Every day is a new day. Every day is an ability to go out and execute with passion, regardless of what it is. Family, personal, you know, personal stuff, business stuff. Um, You know, you kind of got to take life by the horns and and move it on. Um, Foster respect and cooperation uh, would be our third core value and uh... and that's just you know work together as a team um, you know and that goes across our internal team that goes across any vendors that we might be working with um, that goes across just working with our customers um, you know you want to continuously be building uh... a relationship with with all of those people uh, regardless of who they are and moving things forward um, you know it's kind of the treat onto others as you would like to be treated like so, um listen to what people say about us and invite feedback um, You know, if people are always going to be giving you feedback, Uh, some feedback is, uh, you know, is feedback that you want to act on right away. Some feedback is just those nuggets you want to put in the back of your head so that when you're working on a particular feature, you can kind of go oh, you know, I was talking to Sally last week and she mentioned that she uses this particular feature like this. And, you know, maybe since we're tweaking it, we can maybe adjust for that use case or, you know, being able to understand how people are, are using things and, and taking their feedback. You know, it, it, I, I like to use the analogy of, uh, you know, the iPhone and Apple coming out with the iPhone. Like most people were not telling um, somebody that, you know, hey, this is what I want my cell phone to look like. Mm-hmm. So it's you know they took feedback around how people didn't like existing cell phone technologies and while you know you might say hey you need x feature you know they didn't look at it as hey we need all of these we need to check all these boxes as far as features it's it's more about listening to the problems and how and and what kind of um, you know end result that somebody's looking to accomplish and being able to, you know, take that feedback and, and wrap it up like that. It's not, especially running a software as a service, it's not necessarily about the feature request. It's about the problem that somebody's trying to solve with mm-hmm. the request. And you, you as kind of the insight, um, you know, kind of behind the scenes, might be able to take that point of feedback and solve the problem that they're having in a completely different way that's massively more efficient than what that person might have originally been requesting specifically. So it's kind of, you know, listen to the feedback, um, invite the feedback. Um you know, we're always open to feedback. We use uh we use user voice, uh another service that, that I love. Um I don't have any connection to it. <laughs> I always like to get, get those things out of the way. Affiliate link. Yeah, no here's my virtual affiliate link. But uh um, User voice is great. We use it internally uh, to kind of catalog feature requests that come from from our customers as well as from our internal team. We use them across, you know, both the product as well as around business processes and other things that we're doing here. It's like, hey, uh, you know, the conference room, you know, one hundred the, the chairs are really uncomfortable. Can we get new ones? And it's like, if you get a whole bunch of people plus wanting on that, it's like, oh, okay, maybe it's not just me, and maybe it is affecting other people, and we can be more effective. That's, That's kind cool. of a foo y example usage of it, but. Yeah. You get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, learn, educate, innovate is is another core value, and that's just you know continuously be learning, and that that kind of goes back to that recruiting thing that I was talking about earlier about being able to learn from other folks. Um, we have a uh, Tuesday tutorial that we do with our engineering team. Um, we actually also just launched the uh, A Webber Academy, um, and it's basically internal team members that are teaching different things. Like uh, one of the classes is kicking off is uh, a Git tutorial, which is a version control. Um, tutorial on how to use that for for some of the folks in our CS team that have never touched any of these things. We also have a um, a basic web application development um, uh, class that that just kicked off uh, the other day um, that's using some newer technologies that, that our engineering team uses but other engineers that may not be involved in those particular processes haven't used before and may not be familiar with. So it's a great opportunity for them to get up to speed, but also for like our CS team and our marketing team to be able to learn from those and learn about the process that goes into, you know, Hey, you've got this application and this is what shows up on the screen, but here's your opportunity to learn about all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes to make that stuff show up on the screen. Um, so it's kind of a cool, you know, even if they're not necessarily going to write a whole lot of code, they get a lot more, um, Context around what goes into what what everybody is doing differently in the building. Um, so you know are those edu- classes required. Uh, no, they're not required, okay. and that very much goes back to the uh, entrepreneurial aspect of you're in charge of your own you know your own career and pushing yourselves forward. I'm not going to tell you that you need to go and learn more, mm-hmm. um, but I guarantee you that those are factors in you know. Um, you know performance bonuses those are factors in your um you know your uh, reviews uh and those sort of things and that's going to influence you know how you move up through the company over the years um you know it's like hey you know we have all of these resources available but you know herrick never shows up to any of the classes <laughs> he says he wants to learn these new things but he's not actually showing it with the actions that he's doing on a daily basis Damn. <laughs> it's, it's being able you know it's kind of you know actions speak louder than words in many ways and uh um, you know, being able to, to move those things forward is, is, uh, uh, is important. Um, and then obviously, the don't take yourselves too seriously. Uh, have fun. So, right. you know, we have two giant slides in our, in our lobby, uh, which are pretty awesome. It's the fastest way to get from the second floor to the first floor. Um, and it uh, makes a, a pretty cool statement. We have two, like, theater game rooms uh, that are, like, soundproofed and so forth. So people go, you know, watch a movie or play Xbox or something during the day, uh, you know, during lunch and, and blow off some steam. we got, you know, um, foosball, uh, ping pong. Um, we also have billiards table. we got a bunch of stuff to just be able to blow off steam and whatnot. Um, today's actually uh, uh, bring your child to work day. So we have... Uh, um, I don't know what it was. I think there's about 10, 10 kids or so here from various uh, team members that cool. are kind of around. And it's like, you know, I, I talked to them this morning and uh, it was really cool to kind of get their perspective on like, hey, were you looking forward to doing this? Or it was it like, oh, I got to go to work with mom and, uh, or oh, I got to go work with dad. And they were all, they were all super excited because it's like they know that mom's office has slides and Dad's office has uh, you know a pool table and all yeah. of these sort of things that are cool that you know that's what they gravitate to um, but it's also just a really fun environment overall just with, like bright colors and, and that sort of stuff. But you know as, as much as uh, um, you know as much as we like to work hard, you know we also like to goof around too uh, when it's appropriate. So it's, it's, it's not uncommon to get nerfed in the back of the head as you're walk, walking down. <laughs> by somebody <laughs> so uh it happens and, and it's fun when uh, when we you know have visitors come through it's like oh they all get they all get ambushed by uh you know 10 or 15 engineers we'll, we'll run up behind them and start you know shooting them with nerf darts and whatnot <laughs> uh, if you walk along it's funny like any of our lights some of the lights that hang on down from the ceiling you can see like all the nerf darts that go through them and our, our facilities team actually has to go around periodically and pick the nerf darts out of the
0: lights uh-huh. They melt to the light bulbs. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> cool. Yeah. No, it sounds like your culture, I mean, you've yeah. got to have your core values to have a, a culture as strong as yours. Um, cool. Yeah. Is that all the core values from your end? Yep. All right. Cool. No, I, I'll have to, you know, I think we could talk about core values and, and company sure. like, in, all day. Yeah. But um, we got a couple of good yeah. blog
1: posts that kind of go into more detail about some of them too if you search for core values on our site and come okay. up with it.
0: Perfect. So, yeah, kind of we'll,
1: it, we'll see actually then. like how they've iterated over the over the years because we tweaked them and changed them a little bit over the years.
0: Got it. All right. Cool. So, um, final question um, from my end. I mean, you know, what's one what's one must read book for entrepreneurs? Must read book. Um, I think that
1: uh, tribal leadership. Is, is probably one of the one of the one of the best ones. Um, I'd say uh, "Good to Great" is also another really good one that, that I've really kind of identified with. Um, you know, I've got the uh, I've got the audio book for the tribal leadership one, and I've listened to it like I, I can't even tell you how many times at this point. So uh, you know, just being able to connect people, um, and it's not you know when you when. You know, you may or may not, you know, somebody may or may not have heard of AWeber before, but if you have, you've probably not heard of me before. Um, and that's very much, you know, not by accident is, you know, AWeber is about our team and about the value that we're creating for all of our customers. And it's not about any one particular individual. It's about all of us doing awesome things for all of those customers. And I think a lot of, um, especially a lot of entrepreneurs and founders kind of get wrapped up in the, um, you know, the business is their identity kind of thing. And uh, you know, and that it's it's sort of um, you know, there's a, especially out in Silicon Valley, there's a bit of this like you know, you're famous because you're a founder of such and such company, and and to me, like that's never been a goal. As far as like, I, I could care less if somebody knows who I am personally. It's all about whether or not somebody knows what A Weber is and how we're helping, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people around the world that that we help on a daily basis. Um, so I think that uh, you know, that's that's really important. And, and, tribal leadership kind of goes into kind of the depth that allows you to, to to make the connections in your own team as well as then to the team out, outside to, to be able to move things forward.
0: Got it. Yeah, no, those are both really great books. Tribal leadership is for free if you guys Google it. I think uh, Zappos offers it for free. Um, I think it's really admirable that you know it's it's the brand, it's the company's brand first before your own. I, I think you know, like you said, not a lot of people are doing that. Um, so yeah, you know, Tom Tom Colzer, everyone, you know, thanks for thanks for joining. Um, you know, definitely have to have you on the show again sometime soon. There's a lot more to talk about, I feel. But uh, yeah, you know, thank you again. Thanks for having me Eric. All right.